Hello, and welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we talk to real people who have overcome real challenges and are making our world better because of it. They have taken life's lemons and are making lemonade. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Jeffrey. Welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I am really looking forward to getting to know you and hearing your story. So start out by telling me a couple of little things about yourself. Well, thank you, Heidi. Uh, you know, I, I love, you know, a couple of little things about me is I love adventure sports. I'm an adventure sport guy. And I also love kayaking. I go kayaking all the time. I go out to Marina del Rey out here in California and actually go out in the ocean and kayak there. Sometimes I even take a long trip. So I'll go down to San Diego from Marina del Rey to San Diego, a two-day trip. And that's a nice trip there. I also love things like, you know, getting out there and skydiving and mountain climbing and doing all kinds of adventure sports. But my big thing, in my life is volunteering. You know, that, that's what really inspires me and makes me and gives me the most joy in my life is getting out there and making a contribution in life. And I'll talk about more of that. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, I'm excited to hear more. So yeah, I love to do service too. I think that we can just really lose ourselves when we think outside ourselves. So, okay. Tell me more. Tell me your lemon to lemonade story. So I was when I was a little boy, I lived in uh, Greenwich Village with my mother and a little a little friend named Christopher, and we were best friends. Uh, one day we were playing in the house, and somebody ran and said, "Hey, Valerie, hey Barbara, you want to go out to a little concert in upstate New York?" So in summer of '69, my mother's grabbed a few things we had, and we ran up to a we went out the door, and there was this giant bus painted with flowers and words like love and peace, <laughs> and it took us to a little concert place called Woodstock. Yeah, yeah, that Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there Christopher and I bonded as close friends. I loved him dearly. His music and culture in the air was a fantastic time to be alive. We took trips across the country with Mama Cass, Joan Baez, and Joni Mitchell, uh, planting trees all over the country. Christopher was really a force for good. He wanted to, he, he really, we wanted to make everything a really wonderful place. So that was, that was the, Christopher and I really, we were good friends, brothers. At 10 years old, Christopher, his mother and father were tragically killed by a drunk driver. And it was, I was devastated, you know. He was a brother I never had. I couldn't believe he was gone forever. You know, and in my sorrow, you know, I, I, I didn't know what, you know, at 10 years old, what are you going to know what death is, you know? You know, and all I knew is that my friend I loved is gone. And, you know, and so it was very hard for me. And I, in my sorrow, my grandmother invited me to Baltimore to be with her. And we did sculptures and poetry. And um, one day she took me on a trip to Washington, D.C. And we saw the White House and the National Monument and stuff like that. And But what made the most lasting impression on me was actually a trip to the National Portrait Gallery. They had just opened this new exhibit honoring the Roosevelts. And I stood before this giant statue of Eleanor Roosevelt. And looking up here in confidence, my grandmother whispered her words to me. When you cease to make a contribution, you begin to die. When you cease to make a contribution, you begin to die. Those words hit me like a bolt of lightning. So much I like I stumbled backwards. I couldn't believe it. It hit me to my core. And I made a promise to myself and to Christopher's memory that everything I would do in life would have some level of contribution. I didn't know what that was at that point, but I knew that that's what I did. My mother had met Eleanor Roosevelt back many, many years ago when she was a child. She was a teenager. Uh, and so Eleanor was a big part of our family. 
And she was a magnificent woman. She stood for uh, African-American pilots, like with the Tuskegee Airmen. Airmen. He spoke out against uh, lesbians. You know, there was a reporter who was was in the White House and she was going to be ousted because she was gay. And she stood she stood foremost and said, no, this woman's not going to be fired. And she stood for gay rights back when there was no gay rights. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, she was just a magnificent, powerful woman. And she really cared about the people, you know. So she's obviously my my favorite first lady. So all my life I've I've done, I've I've worked to make a contribution to others. And, you know, I've done a lot of done a lot of things. I started a couple of businesses, I had a catering company. Uh, that was a passion to me. I learned I learned catering. When I, I, I fell, first fell in love with cooking when I was six years old and my mom took me down to Mexico and we were walking through the lively streets of Guadalajara. And as we're walking these streets, you know, uh, this little old woman, her name was Maria. She invited me to, to, to teach me tortilla making, you know, and I still remember her hands you know, molding me with, you know, you know, working with me to mold the masa into little dough, ball, dough balls and then flipping them into, you know, flipping them out and making them flat and putting them on the, putting them on the hot caramel. I still remember the smell and the, and, and the atmosphere. And that's when I fell in love with cooking. And I've, you know, I've been a chef all my life. I've, I've, I've cooked, I've worked with many famous chefs in the, uh, you know, like Jacques Therese, Wolfgang Puck, uh, Thomas Keller, you know, doing great, you know, different things. I've been, I was a video engineer uh, for many years. I got into selling computers and then the market dropped down on selling computers. So I kind of switched into doing video editing systems. And so, you know, I started doing that and then I started excelling in that and doing really good work. Here I am, you know, I suffer from dyslexia and ADD and I can't read or write, but I can recite. I just powered through and, and and built this and actually started a business myself. I was actually working for, for a company, and then there's and then this thing 9/11 happened. We all remember that. And I told my boss that I got to go help out at 9/11 because I was working with the Red Cross. And uh, he said, "No, I need you here." And I said, "I got to go. I'm sorry. I got to go. I got to help out." And he said, "No." And I said, "Yes." And he said, "No." And I said, "I quit." And I quit my job, and I went for to New York for a month and a half and helped out at 9-11, worked at, worked at various things, Hurricane Sandy, Katrina, different all Paris fires. I've done sheltering for the Red Cross, uh, logistics for the Red Cross. I was director of logistics for the Rose Parade for the Red Cross. Uh, we do my favorite things is sound the alarm campaign where we put smoke detectors in, in, in low-income families' homes so that they can be protected against fires. It's a great program, and if you want to get, if any, if any of your listeners want to get a free smoke detector or no, then go to you know Sound the Alarm or then Google Sound the Alarm, or they can go to RedCrossLA.org, and there's a sign-up sheet to have your home installed. But I digress. <laughs> so I've been that. I've I've worked with Habitat for Humanity, built or upgraded, you know, or worked on in some way over 100 houses for them. I've been a big part of the Big Brother Big Sisters, the Jewish Big Brothers Big Sisters. For almost 30 years now, mentoring I'm on my sixth kid that, I've, that I'm mentoring. His name is Yosef. He's 18 now. I work at a Sikh temple twice a week, making fam. On Fridays, I pass out meals, uh, you know, boxes of food for families. And on Sunday, I get there at four in the morning and work from four till two, uh, making you know, make helping make food for the for people who need it, and people from the temple and other people and stuff like that. And uh, so I work, I do a lot of volunteer, I, like I said, making a contribution has been my guiding, 
my guiding purpose in life is to do that. And so, um, you know, that's that, that's, that, yeah, yeah. you're living it. You're, you, you know, you can, you can read those words or you can want to honor your friend, but then there's a difference in actually doing it. Yeah, there is, there is, a, you know, there, there's, there's two types of people there, ones who take action and ones who don't, Yeah, you know, I had a, I had this, this theory that I, that I, that I invented when I was younger and it's called the DNA, you know? Uh, so we all know what DNA is. It's the fabric that makes us up, but there's actually something called, I call the DNA of success. Because if you want to be successful in anything, first, you have to dream what you want. You have to have that dream without a dream. Every, it, nothing's ever going to happen, but you have to have a dream. You have to say, I, this is what I want to be. I want to be the best basketball player in the world. I want to be, I want to be this incredible chef. I want to be this great guy who does this. I want to be the excel. I want to be a mother. I want to excel as a mother, whatever you want to excel in. You have to dream that. And then after you dream about what you want, you have to move to the, the N. So the N stands for negotiation. So you have to negotiate with yourself. Say, okay, to get this dream, I have to pay this price. So I have to negotiate with myself and give myself permission and get, and once I, once I negotiate with myself what the cost and benefits are, and I'm willing to pay that cost, then we move into the A, the DNA. And that sounds for taking action. Then you need to take action and make that happen. But, and that doesn't stop there. Because once you take action, you have to start all over again. You have to still dream because if you don't dream about the next thing, you're going to fall back to negotiating with yourself again. And then it's going to fall back to a dream of what you wanted to accomplish. So you have to keep the DNA going. It's a, it, never, it never ends. You know? So you have, to, you, have to, you have to dream. You have to negotiate. You have to take action. And then once you've done that, then you've got to dream again. Make the next dream. Get the next level of dream that you want to do. I want to own a house. I want to own an apartment building. You first you got to dream, then you got to negotiate, then you got to take action. Once you do that, you will find that success in anything is possible. Yeah. And I, I wanted to reinvent myself, but now I'm starting a new company called the Preparedness Network. And what the Preparedness Network does is we create disaster preparedness. We do three things: we create disaster preparedness training for companies. So, how does your company prepare for disasters? You know, disasters are prevalent more and more and more. Whether you believe in climate change or not, yeah. disasters are becoming more and more prevalent. Right. It, 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 it's a fact. You know, we have more and more wildfires, more and more flooding, more and more hurricanes, more and more tornadoes, more and more lightning strikes, and more and more wildfires. Every year, it just gets more and more and more. So how does your company protect your employees, your customers, and the community? Because it's important that you uh, take care of your people in, inside your company. And it's also important that you take care of your customers who are, who are there because they're in your company. You need, you need to take care of them because otherwise they're not going to be customers anymore, A. And B, it's your responsibility to take care of everyone in your office. And then how do you respond to your community? You know, if you don't respond to your community in a way that, 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 that builds them up, then you're going to then they're, then then they're going to remember that if you don't respond they'll remember that but if you do respond you have you know th th there's a flooding and you can't get water and you bring in pallets of water and give it out people remember that even more people re people remember inaction 
but people remember action more. When you show appreciation to people, people remember that even more. So we help companies develop that disaster preparedness training. The other thing, uh, uh, along with our, our disaster preparedness plan, we also do active shooter training, which is, you know, there you know, there have been almost 500 active shooter instances this year alone. So, you know, companies need to prepare for it because if they don't and something happens, the liability their liability problem will go way, way up. Yeah. And it's the right thing to do. You need to protect your employees, your customers in the community when you have an active shooters. And so we have an incredible program that does all that. And I'll put some links to some of my stuff in the notes then for you. But, okay. you know, we have this incredible program. So besides our disaster preparedness training, whether it's nature's fury or, 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 or man-made, we protect, we protect people for disasters. And like I said, I've been working with the Red Cross for 30 years. I've been working with community emergency response teams, the CERT teams, fire departments, FEMA, all these organizations. So I'm really depth in how to do it. And I have a team of incredible people who are also disaster preparedness and firemen and all this. And, you know, and, and so we, we have that. So the, the, after that, we do, we also teach leadership because to create an active shooter program or, or disaster preparedness program, you have to have proper leaderships. Everything rises and falls in, in anything with, with leadership. If you don't have a good leader, then you're, then you're wasting your time. So you need to develop leadership. And we're John Maxwell leadership coaches. So we're certified with John Maxwell to do leadership training for pe for people, and we and we and we teach based on his platform. We do our own thing, but we teach based on his platform. So we do that, and then the third thing we do is we teach companies how to create a corporate social responsibility or a corporate giving structure. When you're a company, the three most important things for any company is retaining your best employees, attracting your best employees, and building your company brand. Yeah, so if you there's nothing that does that faster and easier and cheaper than creating a volunteer structure within your company so that your employees give back at, in, in, as a company, not just as individuals. You know, so we have our four pillar system that teaches you how to create an organizational structure to build this to build this department, a leadership structure to help you build leaders to run this organization. And then how to pick the the best public and private partnerships to develop those? What's the what are the best ones? And we had a construction company who uh, who connected with Habitat for Humanity, and they were going to build houses for the Habitat for Humanity, and they thought that's great. But then they started getting low engagement, and they said, "Well, why?" And I said, "Wait a minute, you're paying people to work for your company building houses all day, and then they're off time with them about houses all day." Yeah. So they had low engagement. So we hooked them up with the Sound the Alarm campaign I told you about from the Red Cross. We hooked them up with Boys and Girls Club, you know, building construction like birdhouses and stuff like that. So yeah. it's something that they could do that had some skill sets from their skills. And they could also do this as a, as a family. So with the Sound Alarm, the father who's working with a construction company, the mother's working with a construction company can bring juniors, you know, their little kids with them to help do the sound the alarm campaign, you know, okay. and there's lots of things. There's documenters, there's educators, there's installers. There's a lot of different jobs. There's people at the camp, at base camp, this and that, you know, setting up food for everybody because they serve lunch and stuff like that. So it's, it's, there's a lot of opportunities for everybody to be involved and that, and they saw super high engagement. Then we teach them you know, how to become a B benefit corporation, how to, you know, get that B Corp. You know, we, and it's a very popular program, a really, really popular program. Yeah. So we do disaster training, leadership training and corporate social responsibility training. Wow. And you know, I, I, in developing this corporate social responsibility training, I actually 
um, decided to go back to school because I never went, I, I didn't finish college when I was younger because I had to drop out, put my wife through college. <laughs> in 22, I graduated from Pepperdine with, um, uh, and then uh, in February, I'll be graduating from MIT with corporate, with global sustainability management. Wow, that's so awesome. Way to yeah. go. Way Thank to you. just teach us that there's never quitting. You know, it doesn't matter how old you get. You can still contribute to things and you can still learn. And I love this. This is awesome. Absolutely. I, I, there's a poem that I love, you know, that, 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 that I recite, you know, when, when, when uh, it's called The Dash. Oh, I love that. You dash. know, and it's, you know, I was walking through a cemetery and saw, looked at a gravestone and saw the, the, the day of the birth and the day of the death. And between that, those two, those two numbers was a dash. And I contemplated how, how this person lived that dash. What do they fill it up with cars and boats and all these fancy things? Or do they fill it up with love and, and contentment and giving back and support? So, you know, I tell people to think about what they, what, what they fill their dash with. You know, also, if you're going through periods of sadness, periods of of heartache, you know, embrace other, embrace the power of others. You know, I when I was ten years old, and I was wallowing in in, in my sorrow, with because I lost I lost my dear friend who was my brother who I'd known half my life. You know, at that point, you know, it's just about keeping the keeping those. You know, they also say that we die twice. We die once when when our when our body leaves the earth. And we die a second time when the last person on this planet says our name. So do something to say that person's name. Do something to and to promote that person and give that person a second life. You know, I still I still speak, actually speak to Christopher, you know, and I'm still there. And he, Christopher is still a part of my life. And he'll, he'll always be there for me. And I will always be there for him. Death is only a transition. It's not the end all. And I'm not saying whether you believe in what religion or that. That's not my point. My point is that you can keep someone alive by promoting them and building them out and getting out there and giving back to the community and tell people, hey, I'm giving for Christopher. I'm yeah. giving for Janet. I'm giving for Margaret. I'm giving for Ben. Whoever it is, give for that person. And that person lives so wonderfully a life because they are, they are truly are alive. I love that concept. That's beautiful. I, I think it's great to talk about our loved ones who have passed on too. You know, I think it's something that we shouldn't be afraid to tell stories or celebrate their birthdays or the anniversaries or different things too, you know, that just yeah. keeps them alive in our heart and helps us the way we live our days too. So I think that's great advice. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank I really appreciate this call. Yeah, it's been so great to get to know you. I love all the many things you're doing. And who knew that it would come from this experience that as a 10-year-old, that it would shape your life to want to give so much and help so many. I just think that's an incredible gift you've been given to be able to care so much and use your talents and abilities to help others. So I just really appreciate this. So thank you. Oh, no problem. I really appreciate you. And I really appreciate it. And if anybody wants to find out more about me, I'll, you know, they can go to preparednesstv.info. That's our, that's our new website, preparednesstv.info. Or just give us a call at 818-624-4242. And we'd love to chat with you and find out what, you know, how, what your lemon is and how we can help you make a lemonade because lemonade truly is sweet.
And if we you can, put effort into it. Yeah, we got we to gotta help each other make it. You know, you could be stuck yeah, with these takes, lemons and not takes, know what to do. It yeah. takes effort to take yeah. a lemon and make lemonade takes effort. Yeah. So if you're, if you're not willing to put effort in, you're not willing to commit to this, then you're not going to, then you're not, then you're never going to get lemonade. You're just going to yeah. end up with a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, sticky hands. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. you know, but if you, but if you really take that lemonade and, and, and squeeze it correctly and put it into the thing and then, and add, and add sweet a little sweetener in there as, you know, whatever, whether it's sugar or honey or what, but you need to add, I mean, it's like, it's like life, you know, you add, you have to, you know, life requires you to add and, and, and build on it. And don't don't hide from your pain. Too many people sit there and hide from their pain and say, "Oh, I, I I'm, t- you know, my pain is too hard." You know, I, when I was young, I was molested by my by by a woman by my girl who lived in my house, physically beat by a boy, and mentally abused by the man who lived in my house. And but I I did not let them win. I did not let them win on that. So, you know, tell your story, speak out, tell us about who you are. It will be so sweet. You'll take those lemons and create the most wonderful lemonade. That's so true, but it doesn't happen if you stay stuck. So I love how you can give that support. That's what we've got to do is help each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's been lovely. Appreciate it. You're welcome. enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.